Yo, what's up? It's Ben Scarborough. I'm sitting here at Third Eye Collective in the secret room with one of the last Atlanta Kings, Born Immaculate. Born, welcome to the studio, my friend. What's happening? What's happening? It's, uh, so it's Friday right now. Indeed. What time is it in the studio? Trick question. Shit, it is the time it's supposed to be. That's right. Right on time. Time is a factor on a soundstage, right? Hey. But does it exist at this very moment? Um, depends on who you're asking. You're asking me? I'm asking you. Um, shit, I don't know. Fuck. That's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> shit. The fuck? Welcome to the studio. What do you, what do you think about this place? Man, I love Third Eyes. It's very um, inspirational creatively. It's the high ceilings, isn't it? It's the high ceilings, and y'all got everything in this motherfucker. <laughs> the fuck? So what kind of day you having, dude? Mm. Man, a beautiful day, man. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. What you yeah. been working on? Um, Just living life best that I can. You know what I mean? That's like a, a everyday thing. That's just, where you're at right now. Just trying to live life the best that I could live it every day. Now, for everybody who is unfamiliar with Born Immaculate's career, he has been there throughout some of the most pivotal moments in the recording industry. From the sidelines, would you say, maybe? Or were um, you on the front row? Um, I done been in damn near all the seats. You know what I mean? From the promoter to the MC, the producer, the M- the fucking engineer, the 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 motherfucker carrying the speakers, you know what I'm saying? To uh the producer, the brainchild, you know what I mean, the uh go to person, uh-huh. um the hook man, I've I've been it all. Born is that guy. I wanna take everybody back, right? Alright. Just was just because we're sitting here. Alright. And people you know, the you you were experiencing career strides in a time before the internet was where it is today, right? People were being they were like micro documenting their meteoric rise to the top, right? And you were a you were a member of the rap group D four L at one point, right? But correct. And, but and everybody should know the D four L story by now, but your legacy actually goes a little bit before that. It wasn't just the D four L situation like out of the box, right? Like you have had uh you cut your teeth on like some some previous projects, right? True. I I wanna hear about what it was like before the Ghetto All-Stars. Uh, before the Ghetto All-Stars, it was a rap scene in Atlanta. You had like Sammy Sam, Kilo, uh, Rodney O. Um, you had like Success and Effect. And um, most of those guys had records and they were like breaking the ground for the Atlanta scene. Like, you know, these guys are like, the hard boys and all them, them cats. It's like they was, they was like breaking the scene for us. You know what I'm saying? So we looking at them like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like Raheena Dream and all these cats. We looking like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it could be a lane for us. So they inspired us. It was no real lane. It was, you know, like hip hop came on the Fresh Party on Fridays, okay, like six to fucking ten o'clock or some shit like that. You mm-hmm. know. But uh, after that, it was fucking back to Michael Jackson, back to Whitney Houston. Okay. You know what I mean? Brian McDonald. Or, you and, know, and all those the, were TV shows on MTV, right? Now, all of these are artists. Oh, those are artists. Yeah, and these were on V103. V103 was the only station in Atlanta playing hip-hop. 
Okay. So if you wanted to hear hip hop, you had to go like to the clubs. You okay. know what I'm saying? So the clubs would always be packed in Atlanta, like the, the culture. So growing up in that, um, you know, I was staying in St. Louis. I'm from Atlanta, but I was staying in St. Louis. When I come back to Atlanta, this is what's happening. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Finger waves, you know what I'm saying? Silk shirts and gold chains and shit. You know what I'm saying? Magic Mike was the shit. Uh, you had uh, uh, the DJ uh, had this, this, this tapes. We used to listen to tapes like Pillow Talk, um, Edward J. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, that was the shit. We used to go to this place called Screaming Wheel. So... You know, everybody trying to find our way. It was like a golden age in hip-hop. Nobody really had a deal. It was just these independent record companies putting these records out, and it'll just be like one record, and, and, and it, that become the jam in the, the city. The 12-inch single. Yeah, and that, and that become the shit. But you know what I'm saying? So, um, so we had a studio called uh, Ghetto All-Stars. I mean, um, Ghetto Records. But before Ghetto Records, I was rapping and all that shit. So I had a television show called um, Rough Cuts. And um, that was on Cable 12. So it was a rap video show. So Here I'm in Atlanta? With, yeah, here in Atlanta. It was the first rap video show in Atlanta. Check. You feel what I'm saying? There was another show called um, the Arnell Star Show. And he was on Cable in Decatur. You feel me? Okay. And we was kind of like rivals and shit back in the day. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, fuck your show. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's like, fuck okay. your show. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm like, my show better than yours. You know what I mean? Okay. But um, but he, you know, he had wisdom. He always wanted us to work together, but I was arrogant with a lot of testosterone. I was like, man, fuck that shit. Okay. I'm going to burn your shit down. So from there, I took that show to, um, to, um, um, UPN 69 and um, that was sh- kind of short lived you know what I mean we kind of had one feet in the streets and one trying to have one feet in the the legit world and okay. that, that's when I figured out real early that them two worlds don't mix you know what I'm saying so I just went straight legit you feel what I'm saying Okay. so uh, from there I created another show called uh, Hot Vids and um, we took that show to um WB thirty six with uh, Ramona DeBro from um, the radio station. I don't know what station she's on now, but back then she was on Hot ninety seven. So um, we were spending a lot of money. We had a studio, so we were spending a lot of money trying to promote the show. So we met Ramona, and she was like, "Yo, you know, listen, I think this would be a perfect fit for where I'm going in my direction." You okay. know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, that was before the Ghetto All Stars. So you have been a content creator for multiple decades. That's the point that I'm getting from that, right? Yeah, we was kids, man. Like, in you know, prior to that, in St. Louis, I was on this rap video show, which I got my inspiration from, called Rough Cuts. And it came on every Wednesday after the Cosby show and shit. So it was like at a time when the only place you could see rap videos was Yo! MTV Raps and Rap City. So our show was super popular in St. Louis, right? So me and my homeboy G, we had a uh, we had a group called DPI, Dope Poets Incorporated. Okay. So we was like stupid famous in in St. Louis at that time, and um, so I had a little taste of celebrity. I had a little taste of you know how the internet circles work. I had a little taste of how television work. I had you know, and um, 
fucked around and I was ambitious, ambitious. Right. So um, I told my mother, I was like, yo, I want shit for Christmas. I want you to rent this equipment for me, right? Uh huh. So she rented me a four track and she rented me a TR-808. It was a drum machine right. and shit. So I learned how to work the drum machine. No fucking internet where I can go look and watch a fucking tutorial. You know what I mean? We ain't no fucking manual. Uh-huh. I had to sit there and learn that shit. You know what I'm saying? I had to figure out what each knob did and figure that shit out. You know, thank God for technology now, but right. at that moment in time, that's what it was, right? So I understood how studios work just from that. Okay. Understood how television worked from that experience. I learned about songwriting and all of that from being on television and battling. So do you think your proficiency with post-production in all these aspects of media like music and television has, has kind of helped you shape what ideas you come up with and pitch because you know that you can facilitate all the content that you make by the time you get to the point where you need to like chop it up. Like, do you think that's a skill that, that has just like run linear throughout your entire life? Like it's, it's easy for you to create. You know, for some people, man, it's like for some people, it come easy for some people. They got to really practice at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was just blessed. It just came is easy for me. Gotcha. You know what I mean. So it's no in those situations, it it, it it was just easy for me. Okay. You know what I mean. Yeah. Kind of came natural. I can relate. Yeah. Sometimes it just comes natural. Yeah. Um. So you, you come to Atlanta, the scene is how it is, and you guys are at Ghetto All Stars, and you guys put out an LP, right? What was it like pressing up an LP independently? Mm hmm around that time for people who have no idea what it was like to put out music outside of the SoundCloud era. We're talking about independently in the early nineties. Did early you guys 90s. do tapes? Did you guys do vinyl? We did both. Okay. CD. Uh, we had a CD master, a CD master. Yeah, but we didn't press CDs. Okay. So we're going to flash this album artwork up on the screen right now. This is, this is Bourne's group. This is the ghetto all stars. This has, what was y'all single on this album? Uh, the single was protect the border. And we shot a video for that at the club called V Live, but back then it was called The Body Tap. Okay. And um, at that time, um, it was kind of unheard of for independent artists to shoot their own videos. You know what I mean? Because so, of the price, right? Because of the price. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we knew a lot of street hustlers. You know what I mean? We was, you know, in the streets and, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just young. You know what I mean? So a lot of people believed in us. So... Everything we did, the hood just supported us. You know what I'm saying? Blase dropped. You know what I mean? My man Mike Cofield, he was the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the like the general of, of of what was going on. And and he had mad connects. You know what I'm saying? Like the you know, stupid connects. So we all cashed in on those connects. Gotcha. You feel what I'm saying? And pulled the project together. Yeah, and then we all had talent, you know what I'm saying? So it was kinda like it was just the perfect Perfect man. The perfect storm. Yeah, perfect storm. So did that answer your question? It did. It did actually. Um, it it really sounded like the team effort. Yeah. The the collaborative effort of putting together a CD is different than sitting in your bedroom with a MacBook and just kind of throwing it all together. Yeah. So you know, okay. So you got to go to the studio. You got to get it mixed and mastered. That's still the process today. You know what I'm saying? But but it was just a little more difficult because. You know, you had to find this information. You had to go through the yellow pages or you had to know this person to try to get the information. You can just Google it. There was no, you know what I'm saying? 
So we had to just really get into the trenches, uh, get the record pressed up. So then we get the record, I mean, the CDs pressed up. No, we didn't get uh, CDs pressed up. We got tapes pressed up. Once you get the tapes pressed up, we put them into stores on consignment. Okay. So say we got 50 stores, right? Mm -hmm. And that shit becomes, you start to understand about distribution because it's like, okay, we sold 50 at this store. We sold 20 at this store. We sold five at this store, right? So now you gave them on consignment. Now it's time to go pick up your bread. Right. Okay. The first two stores, that guy don't even work there no more. The other guy you call, he like, I don't know nothing about no consignment. Consignment, we don't even do consignment. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, getting difficult. It's, it, it's this whole thing you got to go through, you know, and, and then you get accustomed to like, yo, this shit like the dope game. Like these folks ain't playing fair. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we need to get with a company that do this shit for real because we moonlighting. We make records. Yeah. We don't, you know what I'm saying, out here trying to the go distribution. get. That shit becomes a job in itself. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, and and you're like, this is still like independent artist territory. And most of these shops, were they music shops specifically or were they like gas stations or something like that? Nah, back then, you know, uh, you know, people didn't buy music online. We went to actual brick and mortar stores. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like Peaches. Used to have like you know even blockbusters used to sell like music. Oh, interesting. Shit. Yeah. So you're going to these spots and you'll buy the shit. You know what I'm saying? But it'd be like a lot of mom and it used to be a lot of mom and pop record stores. Okay. Kind of like pawn shops and shit. <laughs> so, okay. What was the biggest takeaway from the Ghetto All Stars project that kind of set you on the course to the next big success that you were to experience? Uh, what I took away from that is that a team with a goal and you guys are steadfast on that goal, you can achieve a lot of things. Okay. You can achieve a lot of things. Now, this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> mm. but when I was living up in New York city, right before I got to Atlanta in about 2010, mm -hmm. uh, we were kicking this joke around the office that I was going to move to Atlanta and create a bunch of cheap art, basically probably within the video space, but I was going to, make this portfolio of stuff and then take it with me back to the city mm. and be like, Hey, look what I just made down South. But I, long story short, I ended up staying. And I've been here. <laughs> so one of the jokes that we were kicking around the office was that I was going to move down to Atlanta and get the group D4L back together again. Mm. This is post, uh, I'm the man, you know, this is, this is like, but like, it was just, it was very fortunate that I got to meet you. And by meeting Born, I got the inside story of what it was like during the, you know, meteoric rise, uh, the temporal disagreements, uh, all the way to maybe the implosion, I would argue, of D4L. And it really kind of blew my mind that this information, these stories hadn't made it to the forefront yet. Like there weren't these kind of breakfast club style no jumper interviews where maybe somebody like Bourne who was behind the scenes for the entire D4L project to really let everyone know what happened. You know, the, the interesting thing about the whole D4L movement, man, you know, um, we, we came along at a time, man, when everybody had guns and, you know, they were talking about shooting up the club and, you know, jumping on this one and that. And, you know, we from the west side, right, of yeah, Atlanta. Zone one. You know what I'm saying? So 
you already kind of know what the reputation of the other of the neighborhood the climate of the neighborhood is right yeah we don't need to rap about that shit, right mm -hmm. this is my, my philosophy right i'm like yo you already you know, you know what i'm saying you come here you know what the fuck is going on yeah you feel what i'm saying we're in the entertainment business you feel what i'm saying let's make records that these people can fucking dance to or enjoy themselves in the club for these fucking couple of hours that they're going to be here in these three minutes that our record going to be playing. The replay value. You feel what I'm saying? So D4L is kind of like the uh, the black sheep of Atlanta, I want to say. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like they don't want to give us the, the credit. They don't want to really celebrate us because I think that we're from the part of town that Atlanta likes to like dangle fantasize. around yeah. like, yeah, the West side. west side, but they don't motherfucking come to the West side. I don't see none of them bitches on the West side. And it really came through in that music and those early mixtapes that you guys were putting out. You could really kind of sense that this was some place that maybe you, it would be nice to talk about, but not to visit or something. Right. Bruh. I'm saying, that the, and, and that is that is true, but I'm saying we made the kind of music. It was it was gangster. Like I'm not saying we weren't talking about the gangster shit, but we put it in a way that was entertaining. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers talking about some man, he motherfucker doing a laffy taffy. I'm like motherfucker, it's four million motherfuckers that thought this shit was hot. Yeah, and 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 I don't know if. If you want to go into detail about that record specifically. And the album went platinum. Like, yeah. motherfuckers ain't going platinum. They sell like 40,000 copies. There were some, I mean, but there were some, like, some serious milestones that you guys broke with that group, right? Mm. Like, I think they, they instilled like a, a new category of uh, ringtones. Weren't you guys like prolific in that space? We sold a, a lot of ringtones, but um, 2004, we did hit the uh, Guinness Book of World Records for the most downloads in one week. And that's, that's, that, what, that, like, what, okay. <laughs> you know, how you're, you're just going throughout your life, you know, you're doing what you believe in, and then one day you find out you're in the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, what the fuck does that feel like, dude? Bruh, I mean, you know, all that shit was surreal because it was happening ultra fast. It's like, okay, you number one on Billboard. Okay, cool. You, then you turn around, somebody's showing you the fucking Guinness Book of World Records, you know, boom, you turn around and, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, this, that. And the, it's nothing. You, you, no, no, saying that in the moment, you know what I'm saying, when shit is just happening, you know what I'm saying, you getting some head, you know what I'm saying, you fingering, you know what I'm saying, you, you doing all this old crazy wild shit. Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming, like, oh, shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> Like, bring me that Guinness book. Let me sign it real quick. Bruh, you know what I'm saying? So in, in the excitement and the celebration of everything, you know, we soak things up. But, you know, once things so, slow down a little bit, you can really look back and be like, wow, you know, that was some. Impactful. Yeah, that was some big shit. Legendary. Yeah. Historic. Yeah. So you guys had a studio on the corner of uh, Bankhead and. Um, Donnelly Hollowell. Okay. What, what Donnelly Hollowell is now, uh, H.E. Holmes. H.E. Holmes and um, Bankhead. Holmes and Bankhead. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was 2610, right? Mm -hmm. Legendary space. Mm -hmm. What kind of equipment were you guys working with back then Bruh. in that studio? 
See, that's where all my my shit from like when I was talking about in St. Louis come in. Okay. So everybody was going to like patchwork, you know, motherfuckers was going to like uh audio centers and shit and buying these fucking elaborate ass boards and these fucking you know, multiple records and shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, I met a nigga. They got this software. He gonna sell us the whole computer for fifteen hundred. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. told that to Low. You know what I'm saying? Low like shit, running. Uh huh. We got the computer. We had um, Nuendo by Steinberg. Yeah. The first version. Dude, shout out Nuendo. And we had an MPC three thousand. Uh huh. And we had some type of Korg computer. I mean, Korg keyboard or uh, something. Okay, shit. yeah. And then um, eventually we started using Fruity Loops. Now, what are some of the songs from that time that was produced on that kind of uh, gear? Everything. I'm talking. We're talking about I'm the Man. Everything. We're talking about Laffy Taffy. Everything. We're talking about They Know. A- everything. These are big records born. Yeah. These charted. I have seen this computer, incidentally. It is an HP home theater edition, yeah. dual core, yeah. Windows XP box. Boy, boy, tell it. Okay. Bless that motherfucking computer, man. I think I actually <laughs> have it in my collection. The fucking PC that recorded Laffy Taffy is in my private collection. That's, yeah, that, that computer did numbers, dog. That, that computer did numbers. Now, you told me a story one time, and it has stuck with me to this very day. I mm. want to I I move just a little bit forward from the D4L situation, right? Mm. It's time for Lowe's solo album, mm-hmm. Units in the City. Mm-hmm. Um, the hype is probably at a fever pitch, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the Shorty Low project. Did you guys announce it before it came? Like, you guys, Did you guys say you guys were working on it, and then you were working on it, or were you just working on it in secret? Uh, what actually happened, man, we put out, uh, when we initially did the album, uh, D4L, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was supposed to do a solo song, right? So everybody did a solo song except for Mook B. So uh, Fabo did uh, Geeked Up, Stuntman did I Got Money, and Lowe did uh, I'm the Man, right? And so from all of those records, we got the biggest response from Geeked Up and I'm the Man. So the uh, record labels, you know, was like, yo, what's up with the album? You right. feel what I'm saying? So um, Fable started working on that album. <clears throat> and then shortly after that, uh, me and Lo went in the studio and started working on uh, Units in the City. Okay. So you were telling me that the album is damn near complete. Mm. And you're turning in, you're, you're releasing the tapes to the label for them to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And they're kicking it back to you. They're saying... It's almost there with the mastering born, but not quite yet. Can you can you do it again, right? And this legendary computer that we're talking about is it's it's, it's giving you some shit, right? Can you 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 know you know well, what I'm talking about? Well, this is this is at the the final point when you're turning in the album to the uh, label. So you got to do a master mix on all of the songs. Yeah. So uh, the only version that we had uh, they know in was an MP3. Now, if you talk to any mastering dude, they're going to be like, yo, we don't master MP3s. Like, we don't, we don't do that. So I had to convince the dude at the, uh, at the mastering house to, to mix the shit. I'm talking about, he like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, no. And I'm like, yo, 
He like, nah, I'm like, bruh, you got to. Like, this shit is already on the fucking radio. Like, you got to do this shit, uh-huh. Paul. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Paul. So Paul like, all right, man, you mix this shit right. And I could tell he didn't want to do it. So he's like, yo, you mix this shit right, and I'll fuck around with you, right? Okay. So I go back to the studio. Now, this computer that we had, you know, we none of us are real tech savvy like that. You know what I'm saying? And I was really running the main studio. You know what I'm saying? So I knew enough to run the shit, but I'm not enough for the to keep the shit running right. Okay. Right? I get in this motherfucker, man. This motherfucking computer cut off every three minutes. So I'm mixing a song. I adjust the volume, move something around, the computer cut off. So this is going to take three minutes to cut back on. The next edit cut off. But I got 15 songs to mix. So it took me three days. Literally, it took me three days of the computer going on and off and me nonstop sitting in front of this computer mixing this song. Take it down to Paul. Paul like, yeah, shit good, but that ain't it. So I had to take it back again, remix it again. I took it back again. He like, no, you almost there. You almost there. You know what I mean? So the computer's still cutting off every three minutes. So now this is like maybe the 10th, 9th day that I've spent, you know, getting it to, to, to his likings. So the third time I bring it back, he like, I bet. But I knew if I didn't finish the fucking album, we would never have an opportunity of presenting this shit to get, you know, any type of response. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck did we do this shit for? So I sat through all of that, bro. You know what I'm saying? I sat through all of that so, each time. So you mixed I'm the Man, mm. the LP by Shorty Lowe, mm. for three minutes at a time. Yep. And then the system would crash because of a virus yep. or something. We're talking about that Windows XP box. Yeah. You would sit through the reboot, work for three more minutes, yep. and it was like a cycle. Yeah. There are very rarely stories that I hear of just straight perseverance. Man. Dedication. I, man. Like most people would have taken it down to the mom and pop computer store or reinstalled Windows and tried to get all the pirated plugins back together. You know and I'm saying you sat there and you carried that boulder up the mountain and the album saw the light of day. It was too many people besides me depending on it. It was a lot of people depending on me fucking sitting down in front of that fucking computer. I get cancer every time I hear that story. <laughs> hey, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I'm the man comes out. Yeah. And it's a hit. Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk about what it was like to see that? Boulder you carry up the hill, just go boom, right down the hill into the town and just destroy everything in its path? Bruh, the second, when we made I'm the Man, right? Okay. The second day I'm in the studio and I'm putting the finishing touches is on the record, right? Mm-hmm. It's already above people talking about the record. It's one teat, one, one copy. Low had that copy, right? Mm-hmm. So when I come back into the studio and I put the final mixes on it, we start burning copies and shit, right? So people are like, give me a copy, give me a copy, give me a copy. Oh, so dangerous. I'm burning for motherfuckers studio, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but me, you know, I'm just doing my job. You know, I make records. This is, I love this shit. It's the fuck I do, right? But I knew I had a hit on my hand, right? Because I'm in the studio. They planned it in the studio. Mm-hmm. When you come out of that studio in the next room, it's another, like a lounge, and they had a television. They planned it on that television. 
right? Okay. Then when I go outside, it's like five cars playing it in different parts of the song, and they all beating it at different volumes. Okay. I'm like, yo, there's some shit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, people are fucking with the record. Yeah, there's some shit. What was it like when Dano was recognized uh, for its achievement in music? You know, that's 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 like my baby, bruh. You know what I'm saying? Because that album, you know, I, I approach albums like I'm a, I'm a student of the game. So I study the greats, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From jazz to, to rock to hip hop to Dr. Dre's. Like I'm 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 on my, you know what I'm saying? So in this record, I was like, yo, I'm gonna see if I can make people say what I want them to say. I'm gonna see if I can, you know what I'm saying? Move the crowd. Right? So peep it, so 50 Cent was running the game at that time, right? This is the early 2000s. Right, 50 had the shit on lock. So I'm like, all right, let me dissect this shit. All right, all right, you got the New York beat with the down south swag. Cause he's saying, go shawty, it's your birthday. You gonna party like it's your birthday. He ain't say, go shorty, it's your birthday. Going party. He hit him with that, that shot. Oh, okay. Right. Because, down south. Yeah, because okay. you know what I'm saying? So I, when I dissected that, I'm like, all right, cool. So what we going to do is we going to give them the New York flavor with the dan 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 You know what I'm saying? So, but we going to kick the uh da da uh da da You know what I'm saying? Yep. With the with the down south slow swag, and what I what I I thought it would go, you know what I'm saying, and it went. You know that day no sounds the best, turned up all the way the fuck loud as possibly you can turn up the fucking speakers <laughs> without them blowing. Bruh, it would be an honor to blow a pair of speakers to that song one day. Hey man, that sounds like some fun. I, I think <laughs> I know, right? That sounds like some fun. We should make a vlog where we go to Goodwill and just yeah. pick up the most bunk pair of speakers hey, and just hey. blow them bitches. Nah, we to- need some good shit. We need that shit that sounds so good. They be like, I blew them motherfuckers. Yeah. Yes, sir. Bose. What? Yeah, we just blow some Bose on, speakers man. so they know. Now, see, that sounds like some fun shit. You got you got shot a video for it, right? Uh, For what song? They know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, were you there for the shoot? Mm-hmm. What was it like that day? Because there's like marching bands going on, right? You guys had like like there's like a it was it was a, um, some celebrities. They had Shawty Shawty. They had um, one of the girls from one of those love and hip hop shows. Um, it was pretty cool. We had the marching band. I can't remember what high school they was from. I think they was from Doug. If I if I can't rem- if I remember right. Okay, and Dano took you to the Grammys. Uh yeah, well that that participated in me becoming a member of the Grammys. I've never got nominated though, but I am a member in the of the club. Grammys. You in the club? I'm in the club. People know who uh, you is. I've been a member now for about 10, 10, 12 years now. What was it like working with Ray and Ghost? Uh well, working with Ray Kwan, um, I did work with Ray. Um, I met Ray here in Atlanta at uh, Patchwork Studios, and me and my production partner at that time was Trife. Okay. And so um, we was like, yo, we wanted to, we wanted to hit, let him hit some beats and shit. So they like, um, it was him and uh, some more Wu Tang cats, and they was at the hotel. They like, yo, come by and bring some, you know, bring some beats and shit. So we get in, they listen to the beats, and the motherfuckers was like, yo, we fucking with y'all, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So uh, they flew back up to the NY and um, to Staten Island, and then they flew us up to Staten Island. 
and we worked with uh American Cream team and Ray and a couple of people. We was actually in the same studio that Pop got shot in. Ah, okay. Yeah, that shit was wild. And you guys were working on a soundtrack for a film or or Yeah, we worked on the soundtrack for Black and White. I got one one um song, one beat in that movie. And it's the part when they go into the bar and uh Raekwon them step into the to the cats like, yo, we ain't going for this shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like a standoff between, you know what I'm saying, Ray and the cats that own the bar. And and your and your song comes on. Well my beat plays at that moment. Or your beat comes on. Yeah. And and it's like, were you like, hell yeah. Yeah, but the crazy shit is, man, you know, the game is crazy, man. You know, instead of me get I got my money for that shit, mm-hmm. but I didn't get my credits. Oh, okay. So every time you watch the movie, my business partner at that time his name is on the credits. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> you <sighs> know what I mean? business, man. Yeah. So my kids can't watch the movie and be like, yeah, that's my dad. That's 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 Pop. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay, boy, so I know we're jumping around, right? Yeah. Post Units in the City, mm-hmm. what was it like working with Noontime? Noontime, Noonie. And for everybody who's listening at home that may not know exactly what that is and what was going on at the time, what, okay. what, what was that like? Noonie, that was a golden time in hip-hop, man. I'm telling you, in Atlanta. Uh-huh. It's like New York had a golden time with Run DMC and all them cats. Def Jam. Def Jam, Foreman, and all that shit. Atlanta had that same period. And uh, Noontime was a, a great part of that, you know what I'm saying, in the city of Atlanta. And um, that's Noonie, Chris Hicks, uh, and Ryan. It, it was a point in time, like, they uh, partners was, like, too short. They all from California, you okay. know what I'm saying? So they came here, built studios, and um, they had like Jazzy Faye. We had Brian Michael Cox. We had, um, uh, who else was in there? Uh, um, Joe DeBreezy was in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, who else we had in there? Um, yeah, Noontime had a lot of people, man. It's, it's so many people that he had. Like, Noon touched a lot of people, and he helped develop the Atlanta scene in Atlanta by bringing the attention to Atlanta. Like some of the first concerts that were like mega, mega big mm-hmm. for hip hop, like Noontime, they had a lot to do with it. What that. were some of the firsts that you would consider first? Like, oh, this is a first. I've never seen this before dealing with Noontime. With Noontime, the first that I had ever seen was he built studios that was like, he had like five or six studios in one building. And Instead of um, signing artists, he signed a whole bunch of producers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with um, his with his with his concert, they were throwing concerts. They would they would book, get like Mary J. Blige or whoever the hot act is. Okay. And so they would take those beats that they had their artists working on and shop them to the people that they were doing concerts with. Gotcha. And so they sold a lot of a lot of beats and songs and shit you know what i'm saying i had never seen that that done you, you were like oh wow wow this this kind of activity is happening right Man, here and the checks as i was saying like that shit was ridiculous at that moment in time that was the time when you was getting like fifty thousand for like one song okay you know what i'm saying and music was the thing to do yeah and you might you know what i'm saying you might be doing like 
five songs on the album. You got three songs on the album. Oh, okay. I see. It's adding up. You know what I'm saying? And then once the album come out, you know, and say it's a hit, you get your royalties from the from the records. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's it was the money was stupid. You know what I mean? With the streaming shit, it's like the fuck. Yeah. Bro. Few cents or whatever. Bro. I will get literally. I mean, this is public information, but it's just ridiculous. Like when you get a pub, when you get a statement and it says zero zero point zero zero one six cents, right? So you mean you got to play sixteen times for me to make one penny? So basically, we're putting that bitch on repeat, and I'm falling asleep and turning my speakers down. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's just it's it's robbery. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember. Like it's just it's just the times. Like at one time, you could get literally twenty, thirty thousand dollars for for a fucking beat. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, let's make some fucking beats. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But when a motherfucker start talking about twenty five hundred, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna lease the beat for you for fifty. That shit become unattractive like a motherfucker. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, you were doing some business with uh, Big Al. Yeah, well, A Town Entertainment. What was going on with A Town Entertainment? Now, A Town Entertainment was was the shit. Like my man was like my first time really hanging with someone that was a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was literally like we'll sit here and have a conversation, and tomorrow we doing that shit. Oh, major. You know what I'm saying? Major shit. Yeah. So we we did a lot of shit. He was instr- instrumental in um, taking the show to to uh, WB36. Um, we had a group called Natives of West Africa. And um, they they rapped in English, Wolof, and um, French. So we did an album with them. And this is the time like when Master P was the shit. So we record the album, and um, they're like, yo, fuck it, we going to Africa. Like, nigga, we going to where? Like, we going to Africa, nigga. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? To get six shots in each arm and shit. So we go to (laughs) Africa, and um, the people over there was like really feeling that shit. Oh, like, good, good. like we got a great response. You know what I'm saying? We posted up, we made a video, we had uh promotional items and shit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We did a, a festival on the beach where we gave a free concert. We gave away like three thousand, three it was about three hundred thousand dollars in their money worth of uh products and you know, like uh toiletries oh, yeah. and shoes yeah. and you know, just to give back to the community. But at the same time, the people love the fucking music. So the story is crazy. It was a guy from um, what label he was from, Europe, what maybe he was from. But anyway, they made an offer. It's going to come to me in a minute. They made an offer us to us for a million dollars. No cap, right? So Virgin 2 gets a wind of it. Virgin Two offices one point five million. Oh, now there's a little bit of a bid war going on. This is in 1999, right? And a million dollars was some money back then, right? So, now you know we niggas, right? So (laughs) my homeboy and them, they done stayed over this motherfucker like seven years over their visa. Okay. Right. So when they going to Paris, we we damn near couldn't get them out of Paris. We really had to find a lawyer. We had to hire a lawyer Help. to get them from Paris back to Senegal. Okay. So when they get to Senegal, now these people are saying, yo, we got a million over here. Yo, we got one five over here. But Senegal, like, y'all motherfuckers ain't going nowhere. <laughs> y'all motherfuckers ain't going nowhere. <clears throat> y'all bitches ain't going nowhere. So, you know what I'm saying? So 
but yeah, but that album got a um a lot of good response. They just couldn't get out the country. So tell tell me about around Atlanta, man. Um, around Atlanta now is one of my passions. It's a, a YouTube channel that I do, mm-hmm. and we visit uh, different entrepreneurs and we talk about the inspiration to starting the business and you know some of the services that they offer and things of that nature. And and it's been I'm sure it's a lot of fun dealing with these small business owners and stuff. You know I love entrepreneurship. You know what I'm saying what 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 it takes to 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 have an idea and had a wherewithal to go through it you know the ups and downs and you know to be successful at it you know what i'm saying okay that's i mean that's you gotta i I don't know for me i'm just a nerd that that type of thing really interests me i don't give a fuck what it is you've got an earth a worm farm you know okay you fucking you know what i'm saying you make you sell tires like you can see when someone's like heart is in it right you can be like wow they're really massaging the shit out of this situation right yeah like you know what i'm saying and they doing it like you know because you meet so many motherfuckers that just talk shit like and they let their dreams go away they let their talents drift away like you you dope at drawing or like you dope at the poetry or like you dope at whatever you do but it's like everybody around you see this shit, but your ass just be like, and I just be like, yo, it's just, I guess that's your experience in this motherfucker. There's there's a million, 10 million, 100 million talented, unsuccessful people in this world. And at some point you just decided that you're not going to be one of those people. I heard that from a comedian. That? Yeah. That there's. Uh, what's his name? Chris Jones. And what did he say? That motherfucker funny. That motherfucker said the world is full of un of talented, unsuccessful people. Talented, unsuccessful. And like you, you talented as fuck. And you just decided that you weren't gonna be one of those people. Just don't I mean, for whatever reason, I'm not judging you. You know what I'm saying? But right. I'm just saying, like, everybody around you see it and it just come to you so naturally. Like, why wouldn't I be in the studio if this shit just come to me naturally? Mm-hmm. I'd just be at home like, yo. They should have goddamn turned the snare up. Or, yo, they should have goddamn. You know what I'm saying? Go in the studio, motherfucker. Turn it up. Turn it up, man. Let's see. Could be what the world missing. And who are you listening to these days? Man, I listen to real shit. I put my Pandora and I put my Spotify on top 40. On top whatever the fucking everybody listening to. Okay. So your head's in the game pretty much. Yeah, because everything else really don't matter. Like, your shit is dope, but you ain't even penetrated the culture. Like, nobody gives a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit is dope. Like, it's dope, but nigga, that shit ain't dope. You know what I'm saying? When my grandmama them know about your ass, you dope. Yeah. When my mama them know about you, uh-huh. oh, yeah, partner, you you doing something. But all that other shit, I'm like, bro, that shit hot, but. Maybe they just didn't give 100, 110%, you can tell. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, man, don't be honest about what they're doing in the studio. Like, they'll make music, and everybody be anticipating that they're going to catch a wave, and they just want to ride that wave with them so bad that they all wish it just happened. They just like, yeah, bro, it's going to happen. That shit dope. No one that shit whack. That yes man thing, right? You know what I'm saying? Wish, you know what I'm saying? It's like this dream. It's like you, you get into it, and everybody get into it, and I just be in the room like, yo, get me the fuck out of here, son. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. But what I tell all artists is, they be like, yo, listen to my music. Listen to my music. I be like, bruh, did you listen to it? 
You want then, me to then they start to, to think, it. wait, did I? You know what I'm saying? You want me to listen to it like I don't matter. Like you bringing it to me, I really don't matter. The masses of the people matter. As an individual, yeah, I get my criticism. Yeah, your yeah. shit. But the masses of the people, that's where it matter at, bro. And that's where these motherfuckers got it fucked up. They think just because Joe Schmo, he like it, he like it, he like it, that they going to jump. Uh-huh. I'm like, bro, that ain't it. You ain't doing your homework. You need to see who really running the radio, who really got shit popping. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that. You know what? When we did the D4L album, bro, I would go to the studio, and I got to give it up to Juicy J and the whole 3-6 Mafia because they inspired me. You know what I'm saying? When I would go to the studio, I swear every day, dog, I had Triple Six Mafia on blast. Cause they gave me that energy. They gave me that vibe. Yeah. So when I go in the studio, I'm not finna sound like these niggas. Uh-huh. But I'm finna make some shit hot like these niggas. Gotcha. Cause I'm on that same vibe. They inspired me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you got a motherfucker like. Who's out right now? Two chains. No, 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 no. I'm saying when you got artists like Soldier Boy, right? Yeah. He'll come out and say, I started all this shit. Oh, yeah. And just, and just, and just swipe all the goddamn crumbs off the table. You feel what I'm saying? But I'm like, bruh, you were inspired by Shawty Low. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the man that was making his music, he was inspired by Triple Six Mafia, bruh. Come on, man. Let's be real about this shit. You know what I'm saying? But then everybody, it's just like the culture, like, it's just like for the laughing point and for the replay value, let me show my homeboy, everybody jump on that wave. You know what I'm saying? Instead of doing the real research mm-hmm. and, or talking to the motherfuckers that was really there when the shit was happening in real time. You know what I'm saying? I personally feel like those stories is what's missing from the greater historical aspect of hip hop. You know, I talk to people like you and people that you've introduced me to, and there are stories that are like mind blowing because they haven't been told, they haven't been published. And I'm sure there's like any other industry and in any other business, there's these these unsung heroes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a negative connotation, like calling someone an unsung hero. I mm-hmm. truly believe that you might actually be sometimes an unsung hero for the work that you've done and the credit that you haven't received. And and really, that's why I wanted to sit down with you here today because I, I you inspire me, dude. That's what's happening. I, I look at, you You give me producer envy sometimes, you that's know? I'm looking at what you got going on, and I'm like, damn, Bourne's over there in that in that other, he's on that other other clock, you know what I mean? On that fourth, fourth, fourth shift, you know what I'm saying? Like, this man, this man grinds harder than anybody that I've ever met before, and that's why he's here today. You inspire me, bro. That's what's happening, man. You know, glad to be an inspiration, man. Sometimes I'm I'm like ready to clonk out and go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe Bourne would not do this. Maybe he would stay up another few God minutes. Goddamn motherfucking right I am. Get up and go fucking do some jumping jacks outside, God wake damn, the fuck up, make man, some coffee or some we shit. Get some coffee in this bitch. Exactly. Yeah, man. We can get this shit done. Well, so what are you working on right now? Uh, right now, really, man, you know. I don't have any um, musical projects that I'm working on. I don't have, uh, I'm just enjoying my moments. You cool. know what I'm saying? Like really a lot of the shit that I really, my goals in life, I really accomplished the majority of them. Okay. No cap. 
You know what I'm saying? Shit that I really wanted to do in life. I've really done it. So I'm just kind of like, you know, there's some shit that I want to do and I'm working on that. Uh-huh. But, you know, I'm working on that. For the most part, in the downtime, you're kind of like, it's, it's not like you're super stressing about trying to get on that billboard chart or like you're, you know, super stressing about having your YouTube channel. You basically have your plate spinning, right? And yeah. it's still spinning. You know, it would be great to work with an artist, man, that, that, um, that I could produce. You know, a lot of artists these days don't, they don't feel like they need a producer. You know what I mean? They just, oh, like a tag team kind of. Yeah, you know, like technically, if you make a beat, you're a songwriter in the court of law. Uh huh. Right? So, but a producer is the person that goes into the studio and they guide the record. You feel what I'm saying? They're responsible for the end product. The Quincy Joneses of the world. Or you whatever. feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So if we need a singer, we no, nah, we ain't using her. We need this bass. We're using that type of bass. We're not using that type of mic. We gotcha. use, this is what we we doing it like this. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not to be arrogant or boastful, nothing, but it takes a certain kind of person or a certain type of energy oh, yeah. to produce a record. Yeah. And it takes a certain type of artist to take direction. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing about working with Shorty Lowe is it was a perfect situation because he was a real street nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like a real street nigga. Like Like verified. Bowen Holmes. I mean, like, you know, every definition of a street nigga, this was was Lowe, right? So for him to transition from there to the studio, I'm pretty sure that that was a big thing for him just to be like, yo, let me go sit in the studio and fucking rap with these niggas and shit. You feel me? But when he came in, he came in with the spirit of, I'm not really rapping. I'm not really a rapper. I am, but let's let's just make some music. So he would, you know, the suggestions that I would make, he wasn't really like, man, fuck that shit. He would try it. Okay. And we came up with some dope products. You guys did. You know what I'm saying? And you guys are in the history books because of it. (laughs) Hey. Well, what do you say we get out of here, man? Hey, man, I need another beer. (laughs) <laughs> so I done went through my whole bid, bro Before we get out of here yeah. Just because we've got the ear Of mm-hmm. about every hipster From inside the perimeter All the way up to New York mm. What would you like to let people know About what it's like to be born immaculate Man, what is it like to be born immaculate, man Beautiful How can people get in touch with you To work with you um, hit you up, man. That's right. Hit Scarborough up, man. Hit my man Scarborough up, man. I fuck with Scarborough. So you guys have made it through the entire interview. You you hear the man's rep. His rap sheet is it's like it looks like a goddamn CVS receipt. Okay. <laughs> so you could you could play yourself and not reach out and not work with one of the greatest talents that we have here in the city, or you could and see where it takes you. Hey, you feel what I'm saying? Got to make some shape, man. One of the last Atlanta Kings here on the West Side. It's Ben yes, Scarborough and Born Immaculate. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Shawty Love, man. Long live, Long live low. Yeah, man. Indeed, man. We're here at the Secret Room at Third Eye Collective, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Yes, sir. Peace out.